listening to Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Sweet Media. This is Admiral James T. Kirk of Federation Starship Enterprise. Your presence here is an act of war. You have two minutes to surrender your crew and your vessel, or we will destroy you. Admiral Kirk, this is your opponent speaking. Do not lecture me on treaty violations, as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you? Who I am is not important. Listener discretion is... Klingon best. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trips. Her encore mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new content and new stuff, to follow the girl with no podcast. It's gone before. Hello and welcome to episode 264 of Tribbles and Ecstasy. I'm your host, Midnight Shadow, and joining me in the studio today, we have got... Hello everybody, it's Sun, and oh my god, why is it just you and me? What happened to everybody else? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, I was trying to think of something funny to say, but I'm just way too hot. Well, I know you are, that's that's why I'm here. People just people just love your voice in that ASMR sort of way. So, hopefully some of the other crew will be able to make it in a little while. But until then, we shall continue. So, first of all, let's get into some Star Trek Online news. Star Trek. First of all, we have got from Perfect World, um, I suppose he is in Cryptic Studios, but Ambassador Kale, who is the Star Trek Online Community Manager, will now be doing every Wednesday at 4 o'clock Pacific a new weekly stream. And it's called 10 Forward. So, um, he's going to either be streaming to Facebook or to Twitch. So he said there are two ways to check out the stream. So he said the first is to head to Facebook and the other is to hit up Twitch. So whether or not they will be going to both at the same time or if they can't get one to work, if Facebook isn't working, then they'll head to Twitch. Um, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, you can get it at facebook.com forward slash Star Trek Online Game. And for Twitch, it's twitch.tv 
forward slash perfect world. Now, this week, Ambassador Kale went and did the first stream, and he was joined by leadship artist Thomas Marone and leadship's designer Jeremy Randall. And they showed off the new Smuggler's Heavy Escort that we'll talk about in a little while. Um, he also played the community-requested Mirror Invasion. There was a poll for which content to play, and it was Mirror Invasion that came up at the top of the list. And they also tried a recommended Foundry mission. So if you would like to take a look at that stream, um, as always, the links will be in our show notes. And for anyone with us in the Twitch chat, um, though we're not live to Twitch because of, well, issues. Twitch is being silly again. Why you got to be that way, Twitch? Stop it. Stop it. Um, but we're, we've still got people in the Twitch chat anyway. So, um, so yeah, it's a couple of hours long, although um, there is a sort of waiting part at the beginning of the show while they're obviously still getting set up. So, um, but uh, I haven't personally had a chance to watch it just yet. Um, have you watched it or did you catch it live? kind of caught the end of it live, so I caught Ambassador Kale running the Mirror Invasion event. And okay. then him giving away goodies, like actual physical goodies. Like I think one one member of the um, Twitter community actually got a some cosplay stitching for a for a a, a, a Trek cosplay from Lenovo. And uh, I think the person that won on Twitch actually won a a, a code for uh, the TOS bridge officers. Nice. So I was like, yeah, okay. Glad I didn't participate in any of that, because it's like, yeah, I'm never going to use any of that. <laughs> I've already got one. I've already got the digital item, and I don't really cosplay because I can't afford to go anywhere. Uh, well, of course, this being 4 o'clock Pacific means that it is 7 o'clock Eastern. And, of course, that is then midnight for the UK. And, well, anywhere in Europe will be the early hours of the morning. It's like listening to the show right now. <laughs> uh, almost, yeah, because the, the time zone-wise, it would be in um, 40 minutes that they'd start. So I love time zones. Don't you don't you just love time travel on your own freaking planet? Uh, uh, time zones are always a pain, especially when nobody can quite really like clamp down on a should we do daylight savings? Should we not do daylight savings? When do we do daylight savings if we do? Do we do it a week after the US? Two weeks after the US? A week before? Oh, Next yeah. Tuesday after the 3rd? Yeah, my mum lives in um, New Zealand, and of course, doing broadcasting, I'm often dealing with people all over the US, and with work, I deal with people as well from all over the world. And yeah, time zones, especially when it comes to daylight savings, it's just, especially these days, daylight savings was mainly brought in for farmers, 
so they could make better use of the light. But it's just like these days, oh, there's no need for it at all. So it's just. Oh. Well, even then, the whole farming concession thing was was a joke. It was a parody in Congress, in U.S. Congress, when it was first established in the first place. I mean, like this this argument goes all the way back to the actual founding fathers. But uh, yeah. Oh well. But the thing is, there's never going to be any particular time that would suit everybody everywhere. Although I suppose it would be nice if it was staggered. So each week is a slightly different time. But then I suppose there's a lot of people who would then miss it if they don't know the different times. Um, I suppose with any production, even our own, it can be sort of hit and miss. So, oh well. But yeah, as we were talking about, um, go watch Ten Forward Weekly if you get the chance. So if you can't remember what the links are, um, just head over to Facebook and search for Star Trek Online and just search Twitch for Perfect World or go to the blog post for this episode and the links will be in the show notes. So, so while while midnight is is sorting out stuff for YouTube because the chat's going hey YouTube's not a thing so um the the mirror invasion event is on and we're kind of in the middle of the second week so if you haven't started already it's uh it's a little late you're not going to be able to finish it uh the 14 days uh so cuz you only got 3 and we've already gone a week so you ha- yeah, this is the this is the thing where you have to collect fourteen multi-dimensional transporters, and you have to do it by playing every day the mirror invasion queue. Well, it's it, it's a once a day thing. So if you haven't started it already, you're you're not going to be able to finish it. But you can keep the you can keep the little reward thingy in your event queue. And wait till the next time it comes around, which will be in 12 months. Yeah, um, that's what I had to do for this one. Um, I had one more to go from the previous event. So, um, yeah, it's uh, useful. Um, it's one of the events where you can do that. So most of the events like the summer and winter one, they tie you per year, which fortunately for the things like the mirror event, um, you don't have at the moment. It's 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 a shame, really. I mean, it would it would kind of be nice if these little transpondery thingies were bound to account. That way, if you had extra on another character, you could shuffle them to somebody who hadn't quite finished the event. But hey, that's just me thinking progressively, and and apparently Cryptic doesn't like that. So, um, there's an R and D promotion as well at the moment, isn't there? Okay, can we talk about this for a moment? <laughs> so, the the latest R and D promotion, which okay, I totally understand the whole the whole idea behind here. Spend money on this stuff and get the possibility of getting a ship. That's that's what the lock boxes are all about. But the <laughs> the name of the ship. And the the kind of role play behind the ship kind of makes me just 
there 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 are not enough Indian gods and goddesses with multiple arms to make me facepalm at what just happened here. Because we just got introduced to the Zenkethi. You know, this is the first time we're seeing a four-armed alien in Star Trek Online. And now, the moment we have the Zenkethi, we're getting all of this name-dropping of the Amari class ship. And for those of you who don't remember who Amari is, there's this episode of The Next Generation called uh, Reunification, where we get to see a really old Spock, and he's supposed to be, you know, leading the Romulans back to Vulcan and back to Logic and all this kind of stuff, right? And in this episode, we meet a four-armed alien at a bar who is kind of this musician, so... She's sitting there with her four arms playing this big, huge kind of piano organ thing. And here's Riker and Worf at this bar. And Riker wants information. And she trades she trades the fact that he actually asked for some sort of jazz other than what she was playing, like actual jazz. And she traded that for the information, and then he goes and teaches her some jazz riffs from from Earth. Meanwhile, Worf, <laughs> of course Worf does, Worf orders Klingon opera, to which she obliges, until her former husband shows up. A Ferengi who always wants to hear the same old song, right? So yeah, he's gone and died and left her all of these ships. Or the plans for them, at least. And now she's created a weapon to go on these ships. And so she's released a whole new line of these ships. And there you have it. The Amari-class smuggler. It's like, wow, you're just really trying to name drop everything now that you've got four-armed aliens in-game. I just, I, I, I really... <laughs> it just, it, it astounds me how much name dropping gets done in Star Trek Online sometimes, and then there is... It goes nowhere. It's like we dropped all these names for this one little thing, and then it goes nowhere. I mean, we've we've literally seen it before with the fact that that Troy's mother, Luoxana, is still an ambassador in in... In the in the Federation. In the United Federation of Planets, Loaxana Troy is still an ambassador in Stowe. But we've only ever seen that in the RP blogs. It's just it's weird. Well, hopefully they might do something in the storylines. But yeah, we've had this discussion before when it comes to sort of stuff that only appears in the RP blogs. Sort of we keep wanting sort of more of it to appear in game. It's it's just it's sad. It it really is. <laughs> there's just there's so much more that could be done. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, we you know, especially with everybody talking about the thirtieth of the next generation and this, that, and the other, and it's like, okay, cool. You want to do something? You want to set that up? That's fine. Don't keep setting up stuff that is going to go nowhere. It's kind of like what they did with the RP blog this week too. <laughs> Well, we've already really gotten into the RP blog, so it's just, 
Shall we move over to finish covering well, that? But yeah, okay. So for it seems I'm not sure if this is. I have to go over the stats again because I just don't know. Because I don't think they're they're here in the show notes. Are you talking about the stats for, for the, the ship? yeah for yeah for the ship? Yeah, it's in the events area. I because I want to say it's it's a four four ship, so it's got four 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 weapons and four aft weapons that you can use, and then it's also got a heavy weapon. Uh, this one is actually a five two. It's got five four weapons and two aft. Okay, so then it would be a normal 4-4 if everything were realigned. Okay. But it, it does have a heavy weapon um, slot as well. And the heavy weapon that comes with it is the Slamshot Magnetic Artillery. So it's basically a really slow pulse, slow pulse mass driver. So it says the inertia is 50, um, so not going to stop properly. Anytime soon. <laughs> well, you, you can't help that, but yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. it's funny. Sort of changing ships, you go from one which sort of you go to stop and you just keep going to one that literally just stops on like the escorts. And it's just like, do you want to stop there? <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's one of those one of those quote unquote poor people things. Like small town things, it's like you do that. You find you do that in Stowe just for the enjoyment. You warp into DS9 and you're off the you're off the dock in DS9. So you hit the uh, full impulse button and then you turn the full impulse button off so you don't get stopped by the station. But the inertia helps you coast to the station. It's a bit of a strange looking ship. It sort of reminds me of something, but I can't think what it is. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this was the ship used in Reunification. The one that, yeah. that smuggled Picard onto Romulus. Yeah, is no, I don't mean that. I just mean it reminds me of something else. It might just be that episode that I'm thinking of, but it's like... You know when you've got something that feels like it's just buried in your memory and you can't just bring it up? It's just like it reminds me of something else and I can't think what it is. Well, to me, it kind of looks like a very, very Star Trek universe version of a Cylon ship, hmm. especially with the, the the mounted wing fronts and then the then the, the the cannons right underneath. Yeah, I see what you mean with that part of it. But uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll come to me. But that'll be once we're off the air and everyone's gone home, and then it's like. That was it, and then I'll completely forget about it. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Uh, Lucchesi says, wasn't it a bird of prey that smuggled Picard and Data? Because wasn't it a ship in the junkyard? I don't know. I didn't go back to watch the episode. I just took Perfect World at their word that, that's, that this ship is what that was. If they're lying, okay, they're lying. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, it's like it's like watching it's, you know, and, and Alex is actually right in our chat. To, you know, you know, Trek has reused all kinds of models for all kinds of stuff. It's like 
at near the end of Voyager, we see the Romulan space probe before it becomes the Romulan space probe in Enterprise. But yeah, Anne-Marie is the female musician um, on Qualor 2. That was the one um, that interacts with um, Riker and Worf in Unification 2. Um, but I can't... I'm just checking out Memory Alpha. I can't see any notes about the ship. Um, but, well, um, I mean, you know, like the RP blog says, the guy... the, the, the Ferengi went and died and left the plans to the ship, if I'm not mistaken. So it may have not even been a ship in the first place. Yeah. But yeah, you gotta love a lady who 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 gets her who gets her um, her highs not off of booze or like actual drugs, but like scented sticks. That was <laughs> that was kind of the most memorable thing about her. Besides having the four arms, was the she would sit there and lick and smell these sticks for whatever reason. But uh, but yeah, um, it was an enjoyable RP blog. Um, and it's the thought, return of the ship that abs- did, that did absolutely nothing. The thing is, when it comes to ships, especially, they've done all the main sort of ships that they can. So yeah, doing all these ones where it's just a reference to will be their oh, next. Oh no, step. no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in the RP blog, the return of the crew of the Cold Star, the ship that did absolutely nothing. This is another exactly one of those, hey, here's some people, they do a thing, but they only do a thing in the RP blog if you've been reading the RP blog because they have no impact on the game whatsoever. But then isn't that just like the graphic novels for Countdown and all the other things? If you don't read them, it doesn't make any difference. But if you do, it answers kinda some more questions. Kind of makes the movie make a whole lot more sense in the case of 09. Yeah, that's sad. That's bad storytelling. Well, not always. Sometimes it could be the studios and timing and things like that that just say, no, it's got to be cut down. It's the same with um, Batman versus Superman. Um, What um, was it Zack Snyder wanted to do wasn't allowed in there by the studio. He He was told it had to be cut down. So the stuff that really joins a lot of things together was removed. So it's not always the producer's choice when it comes to things like that. So you do get extra additions like the director's cuts or um, the ultimate edition, as in sort of the Batman versus Superman one. But with these stories, in some respects, that's exactly the same thing. It's just something else. So for people who do like going and reading blogs, they have a little bit extra content. Now, although for us as players who are really involved in the game, we would love to see that in there. Of course, it's just a huge amount of resource that, well, they obviously haven't got in order to already include that in there. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, this has kind of been our biggest complaint with Star Trek Online in the first place. Hey, your RP blogs are really well written. They have no impact on the game because they're not in the game. 
when a person is when a person is going through the story content, these RP blogs don't exist in any form or fashion. And they help craft the story. Especially when you have an RP blog that directly leads into an episode. <coughs> Survivor. <coughs> but again, you didn't have to have read the blog in order to have played the mission. And there have been plenty of RP blogs that directly lead into something. Yes, let's go find a whole new species because we weren't scanning that part of space and oh my god, we're now in a temporal cold war. Okay, that's over. Back to the back to the whole investigating the oh we're in a new war because somebody wants protomatter. Uh... Anyway. Um Data Android has said in chat at least the new ship has freighter amenities. So um so yeah, that would be very handy. It's um, it's a it's a combat freighter. It that's what it is. It is quite literally a combat freighter. I suppose it's probably more like the Ferengi ship, um, probably than the freighter. Maybe um, Data Android has also asked if there's any special DOF assignments on the bridge of this ship. I'm afraid I don't know. Um, I haven't seen anything that would say so. So um, yeah, it is the Takora that I was thinking about. Thank you. Yeah, and um, the Decora actually has a trade contact. I'm I'm not sure if this one has a trade contact. Yeah, I, I haven't seen... Oh, no, it says onboard amenities, trader contact, quartermaster vendor, bank, mail, and exchange access. But no Dabo table, like the Ferengi ship. No, but then that's their thing, isn't it? So... I don't know that RP blog took place on Drozana Station. It wouldn't be hard for her to have gone, hey, I kind of like Dabo. Maybe I should contact Quark Enterprises. I suppose. But I think the Decora, that doesn't have a quartermaster vendor, does it? Um, I, I'm not sure. I know the Tuffly and the Sulabon cell ship do. But again, those were way back when, when duty officer packs were the R&D pack, before the R&D pack existed. But, uh, yeah, if which you is, are... Which is, is, which is actually kind of funny, because the moment that the duty officer packs didn't become a thing was the moment that, that Cryptic actually reintroduced all of these packs and said hey if you open a lockbox and get these packs these packs because they're the full packs will be applicable to any uh duty officer pack promotions that ever happen in the future and look what's happened to the duty officer promotion packs they've disappeared it's like like it's like they planned this to happen got everybody's hopes up and said nope here's r&d well I suppose it's around that sort of time when we usually get one, isn't it? But yeah, this ship is behind um, the R&D boxes. Um, of course, you will um, be able to get those in the exchange, but I'm sure it will cost um, quite a few energy credits. Um, it is a tier 6 ship, and it is available for the promotion for um, a little while. It's not one of these sort of weekend things. So it's been going since May the 25th. So that was Thursday's patch day. And it's going until June 15th. So um, you've got, what was it, three, four weeks? Yeah. 
It's it's usually about a month long promotion with these things. So I'm just checking. So yeah, three weeks. So um, so yeah, either save up your energy credits or get some Zen in order to purchase them. Um, when you open it, as well as the standard contents of the R and D pack, you'll either be greeted with ten Lobi crystals on top of the standard contents, or the Amari class smugglers heavy escort. So, um, yep, good luck if you are going to get one of those. Forty-nine times out of fifty, it's going to be the tin lobi crystals. <laughs> yeah, that's usually what I get. <laughs> and of course, if you would like to have a read of the roleplay blog that we'd be mentioning, it's called Fortunes of War and Peace, and the link will be in our show notes. Now, on Thursday the 25th, we had some patch notes for the PC. Um, they made some updates to the Mirror Invasion event. Um, they've made it that portals will continue to spawn until the timer runs out in Phase 1. Enemies clean up at the end of the advanced version. And they've also resolved some graphics issues as well. Um, They've resolved an issue that have caused the smuggler's luck traits to display inconsistent cooldowns. So that has also been fixed as well, as well as some other um, issues as well to do with powers. Um, one of the known issues is still the fact that joining a red alert from a sector space is not grouping players. And when you queue through the PVE QUI, um, so they have said it's recommended that you only queue um, through the PVE UI for the red alerts. So don't go and just use the little flashing red alert symbol um, on the right hand side of your screen. Well, that's if you've kept it there. Um, okay, well, that's it for PC news. So let's go on to console news. Star Trek Online Console News So, if you have been playing on the console, you're about to come to the end of Crystalline Cataclysm. So, that is ending June 1st. So, hopefully you've been able to complete um, the missions for that, and you've got all your rewards. Um, Whatever those you... rewards may be, because we don't... I, I, I haven't looked. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't had a chance to go back and get the link from um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, now, if you are actually in-game this weekend, um, then there's some nice things going on. You've got a 33% off lifetime subscriptions, You've got 20% off R&D packs, and you've also got the 15% off faction packs that we discussed last week. And you've also got this weekend the Tholian Red Alert weekend, and of course that's for 50 level 50 characters or above. And of course coming up, as we've previously mentioned on the previous episodes, is June 6th. So just around the corner. So 
Um, a week and a half away is season 13 for you guys on Xbox One and PlayStation 4. So, hopefully people will be able to make use of the deals this weekend. And Oh yeah! yeah. Not long before season 13. Sounded a little bit like you're about to say something. Uh, I just get, get, get prepared for more weird story that seems to have no point. Yeah. Well, things are slowly coming about, so I'm sure things will tie up in the end. So I know they like to leave some threads, but it's not like they tend to just leave huge arcs unresolved. Um, ah, thank you, Alex. Um, Alex Wonder in chat has actually just put in the link that I wasn't able to get and says it's the Crystalline Spike Kit module that seems to be the reward. So that's the one that we got not last time, but the time before, if I recall correctly. Because the last time we got the uh, the antiproton torpedo, yeah, which is awesome. I've got it, but still haven't used it. I don't I, tend to um, use torpedoes. I'm using it on my my uh, my science officer pig lady because she's using the temporal set, which means she's using antiproton. So. Antiproton beams plus antiproton torpedo plus the buffing uh, consoles for tactical that buff antiproton means lots of damage across the board. Ooh. Especially when you torpedo spread three and people's shields are gone. <laughs> you go bye bye. Like, hi, bye to your shields. Here's a nice gravity well. A few seconds later, now here's a Tykin's Rift, so your power levels are gone. Bye! Not coming back from this one. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. Not much news out of Star Trek Online this week. But, uh, I suppose this week is holidays for a lot of people. I know a lot of schools and that are off for half term this coming week. And it's a bank holiday as well for parts of the UK it's Monday. also a holiday weekend here in the U.S. as well. Uh, Memorial Day. Okay. Yeah. Well, it explains probably why we've got some of our crew traveling, because I knew some of them wouldn't be able to turn up. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's, it's one of those things that happens. It's only the dedicated people like us to keep showing up and keep the show going, huh? Yeah. It's those only when we're sick that all bets are off. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Alex in chat has said, well, you did link the recording of the weekly stream. Um, not sure what that's regarding to. Um, hopefully Alex will clear that up. Well, it's because, you know, there's not much, there's not much in the way of news, but they did do a stream instead. Oh, right. Like their, their yeah. actual first official, hey, we're doing a stream for the, the game. Yeah, I get what he means now. Um, yeah, I suppose so. But then all the stuff that was covered in there, um, based on the description that I read out earlier, was everything that we've more or less covered about, though they were showing it off. So, but, uh, yeah, 
hopefully we'll be finding out some more because now that the featured episode has gone for the PC as well, um, hopefully we'll be getting some more stuff next week. Okay, well, let's head over to the main viewer. Main viewer. Computed and recorded, dear. Okay, well, last week we had been talking about Star Trek Discovery. And, um, yeah, people are still talking about it. And, of course, we have got so many fans. Not, as always, it's of a vocal minority who are complaining about the fact that the captain we saw wasn't a white male and all this other bullshit and it's just like seriously for a start the captain of as I think I mentioned last week as well the captain of the discovery which was not the ship that was shown in the trailer um is a white male, number one. Yes, it's not the character we are mainly following, but still. Um, secondly, why are they even watching Star Trek? Because Star Trek is about diversity and inclusivity, and it's just like, and you're doing... But, but Midnight, but Midnight, you can't deny the fact that Star Trek has always had a human-centric aspect, and to to revoke everything that is human and, and not have a white character in any sort of role whatsoever is kind of, it's it's messed up. It's messed up, isn't it, Midnight? That's, that's what those people sound like. <laughs> but it's just like, the whole thing of so there's a couple of articles that I've picked out from news this week. One is from NewYorker.com. Um, Manu um, Seda, probably butchered her name, who's the author of Treconomics, um, wrote an article, and so did Rebecca Lewis from Metro.co.uk. And it's See, just no, okay, no, no, wait, wait, wait. Before you go any further. People who write these kinds of articles, why the hell are you stoking the fucking flames in the first place? Why? Well, these people are already fucking complaining. Why would you continue to stoke the flames by making a big deal out of it? Well, probably the same reason that we're doing it. Some of these people are doing it for um, reasons that they see this crap and it's just like, why? Stop it. Um, I'm sure there are sites out there which have done it purely for clickbait. Um, but it's just like reading some of the things that they found. Cause I've, like I've got Star Trek Discoveries hashtag um, just constantly going in the background on uh, my tweet deck. And some of the things people are coming out with and it's just like, seriously, it's just like, this isn't what Star Trek has been about. Have you actually forgotten what's come before already? Sort of, even if back in the original series you had got sort of the first black woman 
on a bridge of what is essentially a military vessel. Not only, and not only a black woman, at the time of the Cold War, you also had a Russian. Yep. And, uh, and as far as progression goes, the wounds of World War II were still fresh, and here was a Japanese man. Exactly. And it's just like, okay, the cast was that diverse back in the 60s. So why shouldn't some of the main cast, although the captain that we saw is not the main captain of the ship that we're going that's to be following. My thing that, that's been my biggest thing the whole fucking time. It's like all these people are getting nutso about all this crap. And it's like, dude, dude, this isn't even the fucking Discovery. This is, this is, this is the other ship. This is the other ship that was talked about. Before before we ever got to see the Discovery, there was the fact that there was this other ship captained by this lady who's Asian. Okay, cool. So we're going to have a second ship in Discovery. Everybody's looking forward to it. First trailer comes out. It's all about that ship. Oh my god, it's the death of white actors in Hollywood. Fuck you. You're an idiot. <laughs> but it's just... You'd even got, come the next generation, um, you'd got an android, you'd got an alien, because you'd actually got, this time, um, Worf, who was there. You'd got LaForge, who was a black engineer. Um, you'd also and got... And blind. And yeah. blind. Yeah. Um, you'd got Diana, who, again, was another alien. Um, just, again another diverse cast um then ds9 you'd actually got a black and uh, when it started a black commander which then became captain um that was leading the crew then voyager first female captain that was the focus of it yes later in voyager's show it became more about seven of nine but again it was still about mainly Janeway and Seven. Again, two leading ladies. And it's just like, why is this an issue? Even with Enterprise, um, Helmsman was black. You'd got um, Hoshi. Um, I'm not sure um, of her ethnic um, background. Um, just all of Star Trek has always been so diverse so inclusive from the very, very beginning. And I just cannot understand where all these people are just shitting all over it, especially as we haven't actually seen a full episode yet. If if it makes if 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 it makes you if it makes you you upset white people feel any better, um um that alien was a white guy. <laughs> and and you, you know what? You know what? He sensed death coming. There you go. There's your sixth sense reference. But it's just... The whole thing is fucking stupid. Is it not midnight? It is. And as I said, especially for sort of Star Trek, of all the things, it's just like, I just, I honestly don't get it. This is this is this is going into socio-political territory, but this is kind of this thing that has built up on the internet 
called outrage culture. And it's just snowballed into this massive, for no fucking reason, get instantly upset at something thing. It's like, I'm okay with the Klingons looking the way they look. Because I don't know the story behind why those Klingons look the way they do. I know. I mean, um... I... <laughs> I assume the Klingons looked like Klingons before the Augment virus thing happened, and then the Klingons, you know, that was the that was the retroactive continuity that was supposed to explain why the Toss Klingons look like a whole bunch of white people painted in blackface. Yeah, it's well, the whole thing with Klingons as well is just again when it came to the next generation. They, well, even before then, um, when it came to the films, the way Klingons looked was very different because at the end of the day, technology and filming techniques and everything else moves on. When it came to the original series, hell, just having Spock's ears was expensive. So they not only expensive, controversial because everybody assumed he was supposed to be the devil or a devil character because he had pointed ears like Satan's supposed to. Yeah, it's just they had a lot of restrictions compared to what can be done now, and I don't see why any new series of Star Trek should be restricted to anything that was seen back then. Now, of course, like the view screen of um, the 1701, hell of a lot smaller than what we've seen in other ships, um, very static, wasn't used very much, especially compared to where, what we saw used in things like Voyager and all the other ships, because they didn't have the money or the technology to do it. Things have moved on. Things like that have become an awful lot cheaper to actually do. And it's just, why would you want to have them do something just so it looked more canonical? It's just like... Why would you, well, why would you do something just to have it look more cheesy too? Yeah, it's just like, no. Sort of, yes, they now have... Um, a view screen where they've got stuff slapped on the screen, which you saw very little in the Star Trek TV series. It wasn't until um, the Kelvin timeline that we saw that. But even before the Kelvin timeline, I've been reading some of the Star Trek novels that talk about them using that technology on ships that we saw on TV. But even the novels have gone that route about having holographic displays that were used more and things like that. All stuff that we never saw or saw very little on TV and in film because of cost, because of technology. And it's, there are people in the fandom that will fight to the death that the books are actually at least some part of canon. Yeah, it's just so, as I said, again, it's just pitching. The thing is, when the Klingons got made different in the films and then were even changed a little bit more when it came to the next generation, again, there was a huge uproar. But now, when people say Klingon, 
the first thing they think of is, is the, the next TNG generation look. era. Yeah, right. It's not the original series because it's just like hell. Hey, it's not even they were the original it, look. <laughs> it's, it's and it's let's be honest. It's not even the first season of TNG look for Worf because it changed. In the second and third season, Worf's headpiece actually changed. It looks completely different than in the first season. So yeah, the, yeah. When when people think of Klingons, they're actually thinking of second or third season and beyond of Worf as a Klingon. Exactly. And it's just again why of as I said, it's just it's baffling to be honest. It's just like, that's not my Klingons. It's just like, well, they're not your Klingons for a start. So we don't know if, like, Enterprise, they were worked into the timeline, the reasons for the change. And it was a very good and clever reason as well. Um, <laughs> I loved sorry. it. You, you, you got me, you got me, you got me hashtagging on Twitter. Hashtag not my Klingon. Somebody else posts hashtag. You're damn right they're not. <laughs> but it's just like all these people. It's just why? There's no need. If you're going to bitch about something, then at least wait until it's actually aired and you've seen the full fucking episode. At least the first one. But the fact that they're taking it from snippets as well. The thing is, we don't know if there's actually a storyline, a bit like what they ended up doing with Enterprise that sort of works in why they look differently. Um, sort of, they could be an offshoot. Um, I know some of the books discuss about some Klingons who have broken off. They could be another alien race that's part of the Klingon Empire. Um, it could be so many things. But, I mean, yeah. hell, if, you know, if you remember the before the augment virus, supposedly before the augment virus thing even happens, is the breakaway faction that we wind up meeting in Voyager because of the Paris baby, the Paris Bellana baby. Yeah. And if you read um, the Voyager novels that Kirsten Beyer has written, um, there's also another and um, break off faction as well and there's also about talk of klingons which are being born which are actually another evolution as well um and it's just like there are so many th ways they could go to explain it and yes they may be known as klingons but that could just be they're actually another sort of race or anything hell um even if you look around the world today if you took okay we'll go back to even if it's just color someone watching tv program in america or the uk and all they see is white people is that how every human should be portrayed because we've got hell of a lot more than just a white person on this planet because that their look, their style, um, their biology could be slightly different because they were just born on a different continent on um, the Klingon homeworld. But at the end of the day, it's just trolls more than anything. That's what I'd class them as, um, like um, the post on the New Yorker. 
Um, and they're, they're good articles. Um, the New Yorker goes into the same sort of thing happening when Star Wars The Force Awakens um, came out about it being a female protagonist and a black man that was wearing the iconic um, Stormtrooper um, uniform. And of course, there's a reason for that because, of course, the internet blew up saying none of the Stormtroopers were black, they're all white, and it's just, again, it's just like you don't uh, know the story. And uh, hello? Kind of kind of there's there's this whole thing within the canon of the 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 whole thing to begin with that uh if you kind of destroy a cloning facility it means they can't replace those clones once you like kill off enough of an army you're going to have to supplement it with actual fucking people how retarded are you and as alex said I couldn't care less, as long as I like the story. I don't care about species, gender, race, sexual preferences, beliefs, or whatever. And it's exactly right. The only thing that matters is that it's a good story. Because that's why we watch all TV and film for, is a good, enjoyable story. Yes, if it looks fantastic, that adds to the entertainment value. You know what's absolutely hilarious to me is the fact that it's usually the people who are old enough to have grown up in their teens watching The Next Generation and DS9 and Voyager who were adults now, so technically they'd be classified as, what, Generation X, Generation Y, maybe? So it's it's like post-baby boomer, but pre-millennial and these are all the complaining whiny asses. But no, we have to complain that all it's the millennials that are always like this. Bullshit. Data Android in chat said Enterprise Andorians were slightly different from TOS. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, the, the Enterprise Andorians had their antenna in the front. The, the TOS Andorians had their antenna in the back. Yeah. And again, it's... When you think of Andorians, the first image that comes into mind... I think of Jeffrey Combs. You think of Jeffrey Combs as the Andorian in Enterprise. You do not think of the really bad headdress that somebody was wearing in the original series. Um, Data Android has also said that the look is part of the story, especially with ships. Yes, it can be part of the story. But there is still no reason that the story they are telling and what we see should not be limited to what we saw 50 years ago. Because at the end of the day, they want this thing to sell because at the end of the day, it's being made as a commercial venture. Um, the Star Trek itself is a commercial entity. So people saying, oh, they're out to make a quick buck. Well, they are uh. out to make a buck. It's what keeps us getting more. So it's just like, seriously, why are you even bitching? Oh, it's all about the money. At the end of the day, it's always going to be out the fucking money until we get rid of money. So <laughs> Isn't that something to strive for? And at the end of the day... If it looks good and has a good story, people will continue watching it and we'll get more. So, 
But it's just, again, when all this happened for Star Wars fans, sort of, yeah, it's not exactly like you can actually have anyone saying, oh, but Star Wars is all about diversity because there's nothing in it that screams, oh, diversity. Um, the only thing is the amount of aliens you've seen in Star Wars compared to Star Trek. Yeah, but those um, aliens are never are often never seen working together for a common goal. Exactly. They're um, always so, seen in a cantina, usually in a seedy town that is full of low-life scum and villainy. <clears throat> I'm not saying, I'm just saying. It'll put a little hashtag there. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it's just... Uh, sometimes I just lose words it, about all this. It's just... The stupid is actually killing brain cells at this point. And the only thing it's doing is all this bitching just attracts attention of other like-minded people who feel like that. And it's just like... It creates a bubble, and then that bubble becomes an echo chamber, and then that echo chamber gets louder and louder and louder until you have a quote-unquote PR debacle on your hands when when it's this really small group... Complaining about bullshit. Yeah. And it's just... It's just... Well, sad, more than anything. It's just... You see two minutes of something that's coming. And already you've decided... So many things. And it's just like all these people saying... Oh, well, at least the Discovery looks so much better than it looked in the first preview. It's just like... (laughs) You know what this reminds me, Midnight? What's that? This it's like us getting a teaser trailer for the introduction of the Romulans in Star Trek Online and the people on the forums only seeing a clip of the Romulan Star Empire logo going Doom 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 This game is finished Doom <laughs> uh, that's what happened But yeah, it, it's just like Stop it. No more. But we'll have the links to the New Yorker.com um, article and the Metro.co.uk article um, within our show notes if you'd like to take a look. Um, I thought it was a good sort of rundown about sort of the diversity and inclusivity of what Star Trek is supposed to be and um, sort of what people have been saying. So... Um, yeah, I mean, go. hell, look, do you remember, okay, so everybody talks about the, everybody talks about the first interracial kiss on Star Trek, right? Does yeah. nobody, does nobody remember that the fact, the fact of that entire episode was actually helping a little person escape his own bonds of slavery? Like, that whole episode was about these people who played up as gods, and they, they put this other sibling of theirs in servitude because he was a little person. Yeah. And then when the Enterprise comes along, they put them into servitude and make them do all kinds of stuff. And it's the little person who helps them get out, and then they free him. Um, you know, hello, that, that whole episode was like the, the most diverse thing ever. <laughs> Uh, sadly, that episode 
didn't get broadcast originally to most of the United States, did it? No. And then later yeah. in the next generation, we had an entire episode about a a mute who was who was a diplomatic ambassador. So much so he had he had a telepathic chorus who had to confront the fact that his chorus was now dead. So he had to find a way to continue being this diplomat for these two warring factions that only wanted him. Yep. Oh, well. Some people... Well, they just need a bit of a gib slap, I think. <laughs> see, this is, see this, is, this is where I honestly wish I actually had one of those Saints Row dildo bats. So I could just slap people in the face with the dildo bat. <laughs> like I'll beat some sense into you. Here's a floppy purple penis to the face, and of course I've like killed the entire show with floppy purple penis. We're gonna get banned on Twitch. Uh, okay, well let's move on. Let's go to the holodeck. Holodeck. So, the circuit, they on Wednesday um, came to the end of their Kickstarter. So, a total of 1,007 backers pledged a total of $101,777. So, Manu has said, thank you, this is amazing. We're thrilled by the sense of community that we've been able to build behind this show. It's really exciting, and we're just getting started. I'm digging through all the fan submissions to manuinteremi at thecircuitfilm.com, and we're spending the next few weeks reading screenplays and having some production meetings. I look forward to creating the pilot for The Circuit Erbiesa, and all of us are looking forward to meeting those of you coming to the set in person, and staying in contact over Facebook and social media with everyone supporting this dream. See you guys in Urbiesa. If anyone still wants to contribute to the project, um, they can still help move the project forward by going to thecircuitfilm.com and there is a PayPal link um, or you can just visit thecircuitfilm.com forward slash donate. And Manu's also said stay tuned to at ManuInterami123 and at the Circuit Movie on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Love and respect, Manuin Teremi. So this means they've actually funded two episodes. Yep, um, from what I recall, that has funded two episodes. I know they were wanting to try and reach 200,000. Right, had... because at, at 200,000, they would have had a secret backer who would have doubled that so that they could have made the in, uh, entire series an entire uh, season, essentially. Um, he ended up saying that at 200,000, there would be two investors that would basically put in 200,000 each. So basically that would give them 600,000, which would actually be able to give them the entire series. I mean, it's kind of like that whole, it's kind of like that whole Twitter thing with the Wendy's chicken nugget guy. You know, <laughs> And for those of you who don't know, this guy hit up 
Wendy's, which is a fast food chain here in the U.S., on Twitter and said, hey, can I get chicken nuggets for a year, free chicken nuggets for a year? And the Wendy's, whoever the Wendy's person is, literally said, yeah, if you can get 18,000 or was it 18 million retweets? Well, the guy wind up, wound up doing it, so um, they, they, they honored the deal. This, this is kind of the same thing, but in financial terms for for filming. Yeah. So um, yeah, congratulations to everyone at the circuit. So um, yeah, look forward to that eventually coming to life. Now, Sunseal, you've got something about the Forgotten Enterprise. So after. The the recent Discovery trailer, some extra interesting stuff was uh, popping up in my uh, in my YouTube feed, and one of them was a video called "The Forgotten Enterprise," and I'm like, hmm, this is curious. I need to go watch that. So this channel called Junk Ball Media uh, does a whole bunch of of geeky stuff. It includes Trek and Star Wars stuff. And one of their most recent videos was called The Forgotten Enterprise. And no, I don't mean the Enterprise B or stuff in between the F and the J. I'm actually talking about the Thomas April's NCC-1701 from the JJ timeline. Yes, that's a ship that actually existed before the Enterprise that was built in on Earth in 09 – Thomas April actually had his own NCC-1701 Enterprise in the JJ timeline, which at that point would have been the prime timeline. And you know where we only saw it? Well, we were talking about this earlier, Midnight. It was in a prequel comic. So we only ever really get like one picture of this pre-existing Enterprise. And it's a shame because it looks like a, an, a really, you know, we don't really get a bridge. Well, no, we get a bridge shot. But we there's this weird melding of toss and all of the modernization of o nine in this ship as as we see it in the comic book it's It's a really interesting video. You guys should go and check it out. It will be in our show notes as always. So that's it for holodeck. So we can move on to in the community. In the community. <laughs> dance party starts in half a minute. Get out on the dance floor. <laughs> okay. So, in the community, um, we've got a link to um, a blog that says um, the adventure comes to an end. Now, it's to do with um, Revlo. Now, this was actually put in by Studog, who unfortunately hasn't been able to join us this evening. So it's regarding the fact that um, in they launched Revlo two years ago, and since then more than 100,000 Twitch broadcasters chose them as the loyalty and chat game system. Um... So they said, after powering interactions for millions of viewers, it's been a truly delightful experience to work with everyone. 
At the same time, we've been racing against the clock trying to find a sustainable business model. Unfortunately, we explored dozens of monetization options and none of them were viable for a long-term business. As a result, we're deeply saddened to say that we're planning to shut down Revlo. Starting from today, broadcasters will be able to export their viewers' loyalty points in a CSV file. And to do that, you just click on the banner at the top of the user dashboard. Once the export is complete, we will automatically deliver the CSV file to the broadcaster's email address. In the meantime, Revlo Bot will continue to function for three weeks until June 16th. At the end of June, the site will officially shut down and exporting will no longer be available. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much to all the broadcaster viewers and anyone else who supported Revlo in this roller coaster of a ride. It's been a lot of fun. And that was from James Sun, co-founder and CEO. Now, I personally have never used Revlo. Um, so, is this something that you've dealt with, Tulsan? I don't have the computer for streaming. So... You do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's only when Twitch works properly. Indeed. Wow. I it... see. Honestly, I was, uh, I was confused reading this until you started reading it out loud. So this seems like it was a Twitch bot that was also kind of a loyalty points program for people viewing certain people on Twitch. Yeah, I think you can connect certain facilities up to Twitch. And I think, from what I understand, is Revlo is one of these things. And what happens is you connect it up and it allows you certain functionality when it comes to integrating and interacting with your viewers. And your viewers can do things which will give them points or they can be assigned points. Um, so you can sort of do giveaways, um, goals, uh, contents, um, contents, contests, um, bonuses, things like that. Um, so, but yeah, obviously they weren't making so any money. So it was, it was kind of like um, Clint Hackleman's chicken bucket thing. I don't know who that is. Yeah, no, because he's now a father and kind of dropped off the face of the planet. <laughs> <laughs> no, he interviewed um, George. One of his last things was him interviewing George Lowe. For, and for those of you who don't know who George Lowe is, if you've ever seen this Adult Swim program called Space Ghost Coast to Coast, yeah, you've heard George Lowe because that's Space Ghost. So yeah, that was that was an interview that happened, but he had this his sustainability model, which existed before Patreon, was an entire website called the Chicken Bucket, where you would donate directly to him, essentially putting chicken in the bucket, and you could get stuff like uh, stickers and shirts, and you could have like some of the bigger stuff was you could ask George Lowe a question when they did their interview. Right. Okay. Well, I get it. So, for any of our community that are streamers um, who might be using it, um, yeah, log into your account. You'll only have um, a little more than two weeks to do your exports 
um, if that's something you're wanting to do. Okay, let's go into community feedback. Community feedback. Join with us. Share your thoughts. Resistance is futile. Man, we're really plowing through the show today. Normally we're here like four or five hours. Yeah. <laughs> do do I need to go on a rant and pad out time? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> We've got Alex's feedback for that. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay. For those of you who are just just now listening to Dribbles, Alex is our uh, resident novelist. We always love reading his feedback because, one, it's always good. But, boy, do we also hate reading his feedback because, two, it's also long. So, our first community question from last week was, if there was a facility to record what ships you have on the web... Would you use it? And this is obviously for Star Trek Online. So Alex Wonger responded on the Stowe forums and said, Well, I was more active in World of Warcraft doing heroic dungeons and raids and all of the gear treadmill stuff. I did use their armory, or rather the fact that some player-created gear optimization tools could interface with it and pull my gear and stats from said armory. So... Uh, if I was that invested in Star Trek Online, I would use such a tool, but let's face it, that's one of the things the Gateway should have offered, and Perfect World just shut it down. So, um, yeah, shrug. Chozo Elder Second responded on our for- on the forum and also and said, I wouldn't have much use for it. I know which ships I have and don't have, but I guess it helps that I do a lot of Admiralty. By now, I'm used to it. Is is that something you've considered, Midnight? Just doing so much admiralty to your sick in the face and you know exactly what ships you have? Um, well, the thing is, with the admiralty system, as you do more in the admiralty system, you get more ships. Including ships that you may not actually have in the first place. Yes, but those have a, those have a special icon on their card. Those do have a special icon on their card that say this is a one-time use ship. Mm, to be honest, uh, I don't tend to look at the icons. I'm too busy looking at the numbers and doing the calculations. Fair enough. There's also the fact that they, the ships you own, quote-unquote, is locked out by faction, so you won't see all the Klingon ships that you own if you're on the Federation side, and neither the Federation or the Klingons will see any Romulan ships that may be owned. Alex in chat says, well, Chozo might not have three billion tunes to keep track of. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's another thing. Uh, we haven't harassed you in a while over how many characters you have, Midnight. Mm. I don't remember creating any new ones recently. <laughs> well, well, no, not recently, but you did create, what, five or six of them because of the Agents of Yesterday races? Um, yeah, I did create one of each of those, so I got got it to le- level, got it to level sixty, got all the crap, and then killed it. <laughs> no, um, I think that one's still sitting at level ten at the moment. So, unfortunately, man, this you gotta last... pop up those numbers. Miss some rookie numbers. Yeah. <laughs> now I I need to find time to 
work on them. This last year has just been so busy with work, so busy with doing out sort of productions and so busy just trying to not pass out from pain from sort of health. So, so yeah, haven't had as much time as I would like to sort of be in game. The one thing about being an adult is we never have enough time. Yeah. One thing must... about being a kid is we never have the money to do anything. <laughs> yeah. So, um. The thing especially... about being old is we don't have the health, though we may have the money and the time. So. But, uh, yeah. It's some of those things that happen. Um, sometimes real life can suck in those ways. But in other ways, sort of. I'm not playing because, well, my son's a little bit older, so now he may want to go out and do things rather than um, sit and play a little bit, so. He wants to He wants to go to all the Star Trek cons, not just play Star Trek online. <laughs> yeah. He wants to go to a Star Trek con to play Star Trek online. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I haven't created anything new recently, but still, I've still got... 44 characters I think it is but it's not just for the ships um, it's like kits and things like that I'm still trying to work out which reputations I have forgotten to get the items for um, sort of things like that what I'd found that not the features episode we've just finished the one before then um, Survivor Survivor, thank you. Um, my son needed wanted to play that one because he hadn't actually played it. And I'm thinking, okay. So I got the reward and I thought, well, what reward shall I get? I'm thinking, actually, did I actually claim all of them? Because I suddenly thought, with everything going on, I thought, I don't think I actually did this three times. So I had a look and, yeah, it took me... Um, a moment to actually go and figure out whether I had all three kit um, kit pieces, and it's just like, uh, just wish I'd got something that was tracking it. But um, yeah, I've got some ideas, and um, I've sent a message to Attilo from Stow Academy. Um, so I did that um, earlier on this afternoon because um, he's already got a database full of ship information and things like that. So. Um, yeah, maybe I can work with him to get information or even properly link it in with sort of Stow Academy and the skill builder. Um, the item checklist. It's just the, It would be an item checklist just down the board. Do you have this thing? Do you have this thing? And it would say what the thing is, or, you know, what the name of it is, what it is, and where it comes from. Yeah, and you could have it so it could be filtered by reputation or things like that. And you could assign sort of where you've got it as well. So if you're someone who likes to upgrade everything. Um, so, yeah, it could be expanded to do all sorts of things as well. Also, yeah. Data Android in our chat says, Oh my god, I would gladly give up the gateway for an automated Admiralty ship drafting on new characters. <laughs> yeah i've got so many ships and i've the, one of the problems i've got is i haven't got a record of which ships i have actually opened up to get the admiralty card for 
because of course you don't just get the Admiralty card when you get the ships and they're available. Um, you've actually got to open it up um, and actually add it to your ship selection. Um, only thing is I'm slowly running out of those as well. Um, so it's just like, yeah. See, this is this is why I this is why I go into each new character going uh, with with the thought of this is what I want to do because it it really clamps down on that I need everything mentality. Well, I I've got of course the main character, which is the one that I tend to concentrate on while I've got lack of time. But I like the fact that I can just go and try anything and everything and. Sort of get a bit filled with that. I'll change it over, um, but sort of each to their own, I suppose. Well, there's yeah, that that's that's a thing. It's also a lot easier to 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 remember. Hey, you know those um, you know those free ships they hand out for the summer and winter event. Yeah, yeah, because because you own those, they're kind of permanently unlocked. So you can kind of rip all the stuff off of that ship, throw away that ship, and get another ship. And then if you want it later, you can reclaim it. Because you still keep the mastery. But it's just, you can have a ship that is available in the sea store. You can have a ship that shouldn't be discharged. Um, you can have a ship that you've got, just haven't completed the mastery on. Um you can have a ship that's tier 5 that you haven't yet got an upgrade token to make it a tier 5 U. Um, all these little things, when you start getting more and more ships, it's just like, now did I get that one up or want to try a new ship? Okay, so which one haven't I leveled up? See, and then there's another thing. If you're, if you're sitting in a tier 5 ship and there's the upgrade button for tier 5 U, don't do that. Please don't do that. You make that ship super squishy the moment you upgrade it. I don't know why. It says your hit points and your shields are supposed to go up, but those ships instantly become super squishy factories. I've not found that. Why do they go super squishy for? Okay, my Orion Marauder, right? It's the most badass thing on the planet. I went and got an upgrade token. Plugged it in so it had the little the 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 mastery package without the mastery trait, right? Same gear and everything. I could not survive for the life of me during the last crystalline cla- uh, cataclysm until I had reached mastery rank two in tier five. U. That's weird. Yeah, no, that's totally weird. Don't upgrade your tier 5 ship to tier 5 U because it becomes super squishy for unknown reasons. But that could just be a bug with that particular ship because the ones that I upgraded, I never had any problem with. I I seem to have had that problem with the Nebula one too. The one that they gave away for free during a promotion a while back. I had that problem with that one too. It's like I could sit in in a Borg encounter and just face tank everything. And then I upgrade it to tier 5U and suddenly I'm exploding because a a probe hit me with a beam. Like, what? How is this? 
Why? Why am I this squishy with the exact same gear I was previously using and supposedly better hit points and better shields? Well, that might just be a bug for certain ships. Um, I've not upgraded anything on the Klingon side or the Romulan side, but the ones on the Federation side that I used, I never noticed any problems. Um, Data Android in chat said Admiralty is best deal source. It's very useful for every new character, no matter its concept. Um, yeah, especially the Klingon track. Um, but when it comes to the Amity system for a new character, in order to get all your cards, you've got to basically claim every ship that you have purchased in order to have the cards to use in the Amity system. Which is completely and totally fine to me. I mean, I, I just recently did this with, with uh, Lentima, the, my, uh, my Cardassian. And um, yeah, here I was claiming all of these sea starships and yanking the console out of them and then tossing them in the trash. It's like, yeah, you go back into the sea store now. I have your Admiralty card and your console. Bye-bye. And then I went into the event... Uh, store and then grabbed all of those reclaim ships for you know for the event ships. I tore the console out, kept the ones I actually wanted to get the mastery trait for, and then just threw the rest away. Okay. So, what's question two? Uh, so question two was, what do you think about Star Trek Discovery's first full trailer? See, I told you we could pad out the show midnight. I <laughs> said <laughs> we didn't need to. <laughs> Alex responded on the Star Trek Online forums and said, I talked about it last week, but let's go over some details. See, I don't mind the visual updates. I'm one of those people who thinks Toss looked silly. But that doesn't invalidate the complaints that some people have about the visual style. When you call it a prequel and make it look modern, well, you can say that they made a mountain out of a molehill, or that the 60s-style show would not sell. But I would have gotten around that issue by not making a prequel. And the uniforms you seem to like so much. Yes, Enterprise used blue jumpsuits, so blue uniforms might fit into the continuity. But guess what? This prequel takes place about 90 years after Enterprise, 10 years before the original series, and less than 10 years before The Cage. The uniforms should look a lot more like the ones in The Cage or the uh, original series. Maybe a more modern variation of them, but still. And let's not forget that even, that even Enterprise had those colored linings, for lack of a better word, on their jumpsuits to tell the different divisions apart. At, at least yellow-ish and blue have been present throughout all of Star Trek, even the JJ-verse. And only the cage did not have red. So, the easiest way to get around this would be to, be to pretend that there were supposed to be red uniforms in the cage. But, be that as it may, Discovery decides to just throw a wrench into the machinery and give us gold, silver, and copper instead. Call it a prequel all you want, but it looks like a reimagining or even a reboot instead. And let's not forget the rank insignia. 
Look at the screen caps that show close-ups of those comm badges. Which, we don't know if they're comm badges or not. The original series and the original series movies had very different rank insignia. This is the kind of PIP design that we have in The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. But baked into a comm badge. A modernized version of the toss rank stripe thingies? I'd be fine with that. The TNG plus PIP design? Eh, it really doesn't look like a prequel to me. Uh, hashtag Trek is Trek. Trek is always contradictory. Trek is like the Bible. It is full of so many contradictions, it's unreal. And for yeah. some people, Trek literally is a Bible. So there you go. But the thing is, even from TOS, there's the different, so many different badges as well. Each ship had their own. Well, who's to say that each ship didn't have a choice of the uniform? Or who's to say that Discovery is on more of a long-term mission, so they've been given a different uniform? That's the thing. Until it comes out, we don't know how this is going to work and what these things are. We have seen two minutes so far. For all we know, for all we know, the whole point, the whole point of this is that the the Shinzao, is that the name of that ship? Yeah. Is quite literally in the future. Ooh. And the disaster that happens, whatever it may be, that teleports our first officer lead character, teleports this person or transports this person or maneuvers this person into the past. And so this person has knowledge of the future that they can't reveal, but yet still has to stop something from happening. I mean, you know, if you remember what Paramount said, Paramount said they weren't doing time travel. CBS didn't say shit about not doing time travel. And as Data Android has said, the choice of uniform can be an existing one from earlier years of Starfleet. Because this is 10 years beforehand, so who's to say that when TOS came about, and yeah, they could have decided to go with a new look and refreshed it at that point. Uh, again. Well, 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 remember, remember, it's, it's, <laughs> this is the thing about canon. There is so much source material to pull from that is canon that people kind of forget that some things are canon and some things are not. See, when it comes to the actual Toss era, they weren't using, like, wool and cotton and all that kind of stuff. They were using freaking algae. Their uniforms were algae-based. Why? Because that's actually explained in the animated series. Their uniforms tear so easy because it's it's algae. It's algae-based uniforms. For, for everything, this uniform could be the last vestige of them actually using plant, like, 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 you know, wool, cotton, all that kind of stuff-based material before they move into the algae. Now, um, Data Android also said regarding the choice of uniform, but almost a hundred years after its formation, I don't think so. Well, who's to say they only just went through the one change? It's, it could be sort of a hundred changes in that time. We, we don't know, and we may not ever know. 
But again, um, uh, does, does anybody does anybody remember the rapid, vapid change in uniform between TNG, DS9, and Voyager? Hello. Yeah, and even on each of those shows, when they'd got one uniform, sometimes other crew members had got had the other uniforms. The other <laughs> yeah, it, so it's like even in Star Trek, you, you've got lots of changes happening, and there, there's never any consistency. Now, yes, admittedly, that was mainly because of wardrobe. Oh, we don't have it in that size. Oh, but we've got one of the older ones here. Put that on. But still, on screen, we have still seen a few variations in what really equates to a decade and a half. And remember to all you alpha nerds out there, if it was seen on screen, it's canon. So suck it. The Android says, yes, it could be a hundred changes, but different uniforms for every ship. Um, no, just is, a different type of uniform, depending on the assignment of ship. Yeah, it, it's like, for example, you work in a warehouse you'll get overalls. Well, if you're assigned to do this type of mission, you get this different type of uniform. The stuff for the Constellation ships was supposed to be to go out there and to explore and to make first contact. So they have something brighter, they have something more polished. Again, until we actually see what they're doing with the series, there is no way to know. I mean, hell, just look at the look at the look at the uniforms in Star Trek Online of the Odyssey stuff. There is literally so much variation because there's a tactical variant, there's an op uh, operations variant, and then there's a science variant. And then of those, the tactical one actually has like these combat things with pockets all over the pants for like stuffing grenades into. I, I don't, you know, <laughs> okay. So this this ship is actually supposed to be going out and exploring, and you you said make first contact. If that's the case, hell yeah, they're going to be in a uniform that looks like it could be formal dress all the time. And not to mention that, of course, the uniforms we saw were uniforms for a ship that is not Discovery. We still don't know what the uniform will be for that ship. Ding, we ding, don't ding, know. Ding 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 ding. This is and the one thing that keeps coming up that either people either blatantly ignore or just forget is the thing. This is not the discovery of Star Trek Discovery. This unlike, is a completely different ship. Is unlike the other series where you have a hero ship, or in DS9's one, it's at least for the first three series, it's actually um, a space station, is you had one hero ship and you didn't really get many of the others coming in. That was a huge focus. Whereas in this series, the fact that we have a named captain that's going to be a semi-regular as well means that we'll have the hero ship, which will be the Discovery, and we're also going to have this other ship that will be either coming along for the ride or there sometimes, who knows. Is if they are going out to discover and to do some stuff, they need supplies. The Shinzong, um, Shinzong, um, Shinzao, I think. Shinzao, yeah. 
Um, uh, look, I, look, I read that, that shit could be the supply go, relief. I keep, I keep reading that and go Shin, Shinzo too, and then I go, no, 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 it's Shinzao because Shinzon <laughs> is the whole, the whole end of days of the TNG timeline, supposedly. <laughs> yes, I consider that I consider that film the end of days. They killed off, they killed off normal data. And expected us to fall in love with B4, or the hope that B4 would become Data. Well, I don't think they expected that. I think they wanted to give more impact to the movie, because it's a like thing is these days you don't think twice about a major cast member being killed off, but unless you're back- the next generation and you're you're a fan of. Um, of Denise Crosby, right? Right. Yeah, but still, she she wasn't one of the primary primary characters as such. She she was still, in a some respects, a support character. Whereas, especially since Lost came out and shows like that, and especially things like Games of Thrones, where very big names will get killed off. No one's ever sure whether they're safe or not. You get the same with The Walking Dead. Back then, you this have... This reminds me of a Doctor Who quote. Everybody knows that everybody dies. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, when it came to things around sort of when all this other stuff, uh, Trek was created... You didn't really have that. You had a main cast, and that's, for the most part, who you stuck with. So it's not like people sort of got killed off. That wasn't the thing to do. I'm I'm still eagerly anticipating what they're going to do with the Andorian-looking antenna. Do you remember that? I do. One and of I the think... first teaser shots was these Andorian-looking antenna things that weren't attached to a head or anything. They were just the antenna after having been molded and before being painted, and I'm like, ooh, I want to see what that goes to. So, um... But, yeah, it... That's one of the reasons why some people have thought that Jason Isaac is going to be an Andorian captain rather than human, but nothing has been said. But I know Jason Isaac has been asked for people to... saying please send us pictures of you in your uniform. And he's saying, I can't do it. And it could be because a big reveal will be, he is Andorian. It will be an Andorian captain. And that's probably why we didn't get to see the discovery in this trailer as well. It's keeping something secret. Um, An Andorian captain of the Enterprise? What the hell are you talking about? (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm remembering. I'm remembering that reveal from Star Trek Online. <laughs> In chat, Data Android has said there's actually a theory that the Shinzao will be badly damaged and a rebuilt and rebuilt as Discovery. So ultimately, it be Discovery. Um, yeah, that is always a possibility. But that means the Asian lady has to die. Or she could be reassigned. Who knows? Wait, you, you, no, 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 no. You're not getting away with that one. No way in hell is the guy who senses death going, I sense death right now, getting away with the 
oh, death didn't happen to one of these characters, plus we're not on the Discovery. Well, for all we know, if it was the fault of the captain, that command would have been given to someone else, and she's then later on back. Who knows? Honestly, it could be that she does die. We know that she's not in all episodes, but that's as far as it goes. See, this is, again, this is one of those things. It's just a trailer, people! Clamp down on your outrage and your pissiness until the first two-hour episode premiere airs! Then judge the whole damn thing. I've, I've literally said this from the beginning. I really don't care. I'm not going to subscribe to CBS until I see the first episode. The first episode is my benchmark. The trailer is not. If the trailer is your benchmark for the entirety of the show, you have a really piss-poor way of looking at shit. Yes, sure, the, the trailer is supposed to get you interested. Yes, sure, you're pissed off. But if that pissed-offness doesn't make you go and watch it to see whether or not it's what you think it is, is... You're just a dumbass because you get pissed off at shit you don't necessarily like because you're an alpha nerd. And, and, and you know, more specifically, I'm talking to those it's-all-about-race kind of people. The Klingons don't look like Klingons. Well, f- fuck you. I like the fact that they look like they're a hybrid of the Zindi because that kind of makes sense. It's nice to actually have aliens that look alien and not human. I mean, hell, the the guy who senses death reminds me of the frog dude from the Mass Effect series. And yes, I call him a frog dude because if you lick him, you hallucinate. Anyway, we've got to the end of Alex's comments, I think, for that one. (laughs) We still have feedback to do. Oops, I pressed something. Oops. Am, Am I still here? You are. Everything on my screen just went dark, so... There we go. <laughs> Technical difficulties. We have them. Okay, so so let me let me start that over again. I completely understand that CBS doesn't want to fully go all in on the '60s look and aesthetic, to the point where I agree because, duh, of course it wouldn't look great. Of course, people in general would look at that and say, wow, that looks stupid. I'm not going to watch that. In my last feedback, when I said pull back on the Kelvinverse, I didn't mean set the scale to zero. I'm not asking they make the show feel 100% like Toss, in a way that Cryptic did with Star Trek Online for Agents of Yesterday. All I'm saying is that I believe a happy middle ground can exist here or at least 70-30 in favor of modern. A perfect example is Star Wars Rogue One. That movie totally pulled it off and made everything look and feel modern while still respecting the continuity. I don't see any reason why Star Trek can't also do that. You don't have to throw Toss under the bus to keep the high production value, at least not entirely under the bus. Everything in Rogue One art-wise didn't jump the shark too hard. The only part that threw me off was when I saw those hammerhead cruisers that straight up came out of Knights of the Old Republic. I digress, however. 
Then I glance over at the Discovery trailer, look at the EV suit, or basically anything else, and I just can't help but tilt my head a bit. It doesn't bother me as bad as most, but the reactions... I'd be lying if I said I'd leave it as it is. As of right now, Discovery just looks like it wants to hide Toss behind a curtain and just leave its toes uncovered. By which I mean the uniforms and the flip phone communicator are the only things I can point at that at least somewhat feel like they're from the Prime Universe. Still, I hope it's successful and that we start seeing stuff from Discovery added to Star Trek Online. That would be nice. We also had some general feedback, because boy, don't we ever. (laughs) So Alex responded with some general feedback and said, Hello there, Tribbles. Okay, so this RP blog, Fortunes of War and Peace. I remember these people. There was a blog about them during the Temporal War. I just can't be bothered to care about them. Um, yeah, right, another well-written blog. I just really don't care about these people. I've never met them. I don't really know anything about them. They just exist in these blogs that aren't accessible in-game and have no influence on what happens in-game. And did we get an index page for the Temporal RP nonsense and the Zenkethi RP stuff? I honestly don't know. Not that I've seen. On the Cavort discussion, I really wish Sun had just explained what a Cavort is supposed to be, so let me do it. A Cavort is pretty much a Burrell bird of prey, but you fixate the wings in the upper position and scale the ship up. It is literally the same design, just scaled up. So the only way there could be any licensing involved would be the name. So take an existing modern bird of prey, scale it up, make a battle cruiser, and ta-da! You assign a new name, and you've got yourself a 2409-2410 Cavort. Done. Does that sound silly? Yes. Yes, it does. It only exists because the production team decided to cut corners and just reuse all those old movie models they still had lying around, like the Excelsior and the Miranda and the Bird of Prey itself and the Old Birth that showed up a few times, and so on. So when Stowe made an in-game Excelsior, they crossed a lot of lines. And since the introduction of the Tier Six Connie, there is literally no reason why the Klingons shouldn't get a Cavort. Wait, they're going to use the same excuse they use for not including the kit bashes. Whenever someone asks them about uh, proving that there is some interest at least, they believe those ships are ugly and wouldn't sell. That's it. No need to hide behind licensing. No, I wouldn't buy a kit bash because I think they are exceptionally ugly. But hey, I also believe in-game Excelsiors, Tier 6 Connies, and Tier 6 Mirandas have no business existing. No, wait, let me rephrase that. They should not have access to the classic skins. That has always been my point of contention. 2409-2410 versions of old ships? Sure, why not? But those classic skins are deal-breakers for me. Always have been Always will be. But hey, apparently my fun is wrong. Shrug. On game design. Oh, wait, you wanted to say something? Yep, Jose, always wrong. (laughs) Wait, what? Shozo? This is Alex. I thought we moved on from Alex's. No, we're in general feedback. This is Alex's general feedback. 
Oh, right, yeah, sorry. <laughs> it is how early in the morning over there in the UK? Uh, it's only 20 past one here. <laughs> sorry, I, I was checking on the streams and um, other bits and bobs and... <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Forgot that we moved on to general feedback. Ignore me, carry on. Game design, go down fighting. No, this won't be a full a full blown story time, but you might want to prepare for another email soon-ish. I should talk about game design, and I will talk about voice actors because Cryptic Perfect World will never hear the end of that. But back to the topic. See, I went over Go Down Fighting before, and how the fact that you can combine it with some sort of invincibility, immunity slash cheat death style of ability or trait is a bad game design. I argued that the combination should have formed a severe drawback, a rather severe drawback. Why do I bring this up again? Well, during one of the live streams with Borticus, it would make sense that if it was the balance Q and A live stream, but I'm not entirely sure. Someone asked, since Go Down Fighting was changed to update automatically instead of doing snapshots, if there was some way to account for troll healing. First things first, what do I mean by snapshotting? If an ability or buff has a certain duration and scales with some of your stats, there are a few ways to implement that. The first of the prominent ones is taking a snapshot. At the moment of this ability's buff or activation and using this snapshot to set the ability's buffs and strengths for the whole duration. Snapshotting was a common practice in World of Warcraft, but Blizzard moved away from it because it led to some counterintuitive gameplay. See, people would try to get their important trinket procs and then activate all of their available buffs to get the biggest snapshot possible. That is fine, but it also meant if your trinket didn't proc with a within a certain time frame, your damage output would be much lower than usual. And the counterintuitive part was, it was much more beneficial to let one of your damage over time effects drop and not have it active for a few seconds, than to recast it too early, thereby overriding an incredibly huge snapshot with a much lower one. The second prominent method is dynamic updates. Whenever the stats change because some minor ability or buff runs out, the game recalculates the major ability buff's strength. That's the route Bl uh, Blizzard went with when they realized they didn't like the implications of snapshotting. And here's where Go Down Fighting and the stream question come in. Let us appreciate the notion that healing a teammate could be considered trolling and griefing. That in and of itself should rate us all kinds of red flags within the systems team. I mean, imagine if I came to this game as someone who liked to play a support character. Those people do exist in Star Trek itself, and it kind of promotes teamwork. I know, I have a friend who's like that. Hi, Excalibur. Let's say I got the Nebula because it looked like a nice supporting healing ship. I put all the consoles to increase my healing output, and I put in all kinds of shields and hull healing abilities. Imagine I did that, and this ship should be supposed to do that. I heal people so they could focus on making the big bad enemy go boom, and then some tactile, tactical captain accuses me of trolling or griefing for keeping him above 50% health or because I minimized their go-down fighting damage by healing them up as soon as they drop below 50%. 
in what parallel universe does that make any sort of sense? How does that work with, your fun is not wrong, quote-unquote? If playing a support character and healing people was fun to me, if your game discourages me from throwing healing out to a team member, there's something fundamentally wrong with your game design. Wait, let me rephrase that. It would work in a single-player game, but this is supposed to be an MMO. Does not compute. I, 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 look, I can't. I can't say. I can't say. I disagree. Like mm. I, I, I throw out. I throw out healings all the time for people who are about to die, and I've been screamed at a few times. What the hell are you doing? It's like keeping you alive. I was using it for the damage. I'm losing damage. Uh, sorry, you're still alive. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're uh, not exploded. Yeah, I've never had anyone shout at me for healing them. I must admit, I seem to attract these people. I don't know what it is. Like you guys <laughs> talked about the arena of Sunpack. I ran it once and got screamed at because I didn't know what I was doing. I had just come into the thing. <laughs> um. Yeah. In chat, Data Android has been talking about uh, the discovery stuff that we're talking about and the ship. Um, and sort of said Star Trek is a period piece, not some generic sci-fi. Some things should be respected. Um, you can make an adaptation, um, but complete revamp is silly. Wait, whoa, 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 I think you don't know what that thing means that you said that you said. However, Inigo Montoya said that phrase, okay? Period piece means in the past, like actually happened in the past. Everything that happens in Star Trek happens in the in our future. It can't be a period piece. And I'm sorry, I'll always disagree with people saying, oh, you, you can't have stuff on a screen. Hell, even the people who write the novels in and it's based on the same timeline that sort of you've got Picard and everybody else. It's just they have these things going on the screen and data flowing all over it. It's just the reason they didn't have it was because of technology um, and cost for TV. And uh, it's a bit like sort of astrometrics. It's not like we saw anything in astrometrics, even on the Enterprise, until the movies when they had a much bigger budget. It's, sorry, just saying you can't have something just because something else was shown 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Sorry, no. Just because it's a prequel. Look, the, the, the canon gets overwritten all the damn time. Uh, like, does nobody remember there was a mention somewhere, and I can't remember which one, but it was one of the earlier tricks where it was talked about and dorians get married in groups okay and dorians get married in groups that got changed because a writer got confused in enterprise and so now the andorians have like five genders which is why they get married in groups hmm. alex says well a complete revamp might be fine if they called it a reboot reimagining I just keep pointing out the fact that they keep calling it a true prequel, and it doesn't look like a prequel to me. Again, again, we've only seen 
the first episode. This trailer is of the first episode. And it doesn't even have to be the whole first full episode. This could be half of that two-hour premiere. By the end of this episode, we might actually see the Discovery. And the Discovery look somewhat similar to Toss era. I mean, does anybody remember the teaser of the ship? I still want safety cages over those Bissard collectors on the nacelles of whatever the Discovery actually turns out to be, because that is badass. And the thing is, even if you have a look at Enterprise, that was a prequel. And again, the stuff that you saw on there still looked way better than what you had in the original series. And, and even then, everything is still lining up for there to be a Klingon war. Oops, this ship has actually run into Klingons and wanted to go and say hi to these Klingons. And these Klingons were uber aggressive. And suddenly, we're at war. Because this is like about the time that, that, that the Klingon war thing started, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think that that's around the time, yeah. But it's... yeah... Just wait, just wait, for the love of God, wait, have some patience, let the first episode air, then if you don't like it, you complain about it. I mean, I have all kinds of criticisms about Star Trek Online, but I usually wait until after the episode is out, not before. I mean, does is, is this some kind of wizard math that I'm speaking that people don't understand. Just wait for the episode. Wait for it. It's 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 not all locked behind CBS All Access. The first episode, the two-hour premiere, the thing that is supposed to make you invest in CBS All Access will air on TV. You will have the ability to see it. Wait! Alex says even the fact that they chose to make it a prequel at all. To be honest, I don't see an issue with it being a prequel. It basically puts it back to a time where everything can't just be sorted out with technology. Thing is, you go to TNG, DS9, Voyager, there's always some technology they've got. There's nothing that can't be replicated or something like that. There is that much technology in that time frame. By making fire it a, the fire the primary fix it beam from the main deflector dish. Yeah, doing it this way by making it a prequel, they are limiting the amount of technology they have at their disposal, which means it will be more about story rather than technology. Um, Alex said, "Hey, Sunseal, I'm not." judging the show i'm only taking the trailer and saying that it doesn't look like a prequel to me that's an observation not a judgment um no which is good but unfortunately there's a lot of people out there which are making it a judgment and not just an observation and as i said even if it is a prequel and we do have more of this stuff because it now can be done Thing is, yes, things like Enterprise, as Data Android said, was a good example of a slight adaptation slash revamp. But the thing is, is, well, even as the Kelvin timeline um, went, that brought in a lot of fresh blood to the franchise. Lots of new people saw those films and they then went and watched what came before um, with all the TV series. And... The thing is, 
these episodes are not being made for people who are Trekkies. They are being made in a way that will attract people who haven't watched the show before. That's who it's going to be made for, just like any new TV show. They are looking to get brand new people into it because people who are already Trekkies, they're going to watch it. Even all those people who are saying, oh, it's on CBS All Access, I disagree, I'll never watch it. Oh, it's on Netflix, I'll never watch it. Um, so it's another prequel, I'll never watch it. They'll still bloody go and watch it because they love Star Trek. People who they talk to who love Star Trek will be talking about the show. They will go and see it. One way or another, they will be seeing it, regardless of all them people getting pissy about it. So, yeah, they are going to bring things in line with what people see in other sci-fi shows. They're going to make it look flashy. They're going to make things look bright um, because... When it comes to visuals and adverts, that's what will attract people to watch Star Trek who have never watched it before. And it says, I prefer more equipment than this idiotic alien design. And Alex again, says... Again, whoa, 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 back up, back up. The fact that this alien guy is on a not the Discovery, the guy could literally die and his actor could walk into another alien role on the Discovery. And can pull it off, too, because he's done it before. Yeah. Alex says, to be honest, that was a silly line, but there were some very silly things in Star Trek. Um, so I think the line that... My it, my, my, uh, my species is, is uh, predisposed for one purpose, is that d- to d- mm. detect the oncoming of death. I sense it now. That's it. There. So, so what he may die, is it making him a better alien design? Oh. No, it makes a setup for something to happen in the first episode. It is quite literally a Chekhov's gun. It is saying, oh, I sense death coming. Death happens. I don't know. Maybe the alien dies. Maybe the entire ship gets blown up. Who the hell knows? Because the episode's not out. And then this actor, who is part of the main cast, comes in on the Discovery as another alien species. Not that alien species. Well, it's definitely going to be interesting when we get the episode. But you have um, to wait for the episode instead of throwing all this this bullshit out there like oh come on this you know this ain't well okay sure i can acknowledge that some of it makes me go eh, but i'm at least willing to wait until the episode and not go but you don't you have to not like it because it's stupid this is stupid okay if if that's the case, all of Toss is stupid, all of TNG is stupid, all of DS9 is stupid, all of Trek is stupid. And when you call Trek a period piece, I I stand here and go, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Because if that's a period piece to you, then the fifth element is a period piece to me. Multipass. And there was a whole bunch of stupid shit in the fifth element, and I love the fuck out of that movie. It is so good. <laughs> I haven't watched that for ages. I think I've only got it on VHS. There are going to be some people who may be listening going, what's VHS? 
<laughs> oh, there, there are definitely some people who, who are going like that right now. There's, there, there are people who have lived in the VHS era who don't even know what a laser disc is. So, <laughs> okay, so let's move on to any other business. Any other business. So, as mentioned last week, um, I am going to be doing some walking for cancer research. So my target is a thousand pounds, and me doing ten thousand steps a day is actually a huge thing. Um, I monitored my steps. I bought a pedometer to actually monitor it on a day where I was busy doing support and things like that and actually walking around the office the most steps i was doing was one and a half thousand but was usually around one thousand when it comes to the weekends you're talking about three to five hundred steps so i will be going from anywhere from 300 to 1500 steps in a day to doing 10,000 steps um, in aid for raising money for cancer research. And for me, one of the bigger problems is the fact that it means me actually going outside to do the walking. Um, so, of course, I have severe allergies and sinuses, so it means a lot more for me pain and suffering. Um, although, compared to what people will suffer when it comes to cancer um it's absolutely nothing which is one of the reasons why i'm also prepared to do this um so if you can please please um help me hit my um thousand pound target um the link will be in the show notes so and thank you to anyone who does help i don't burn unless i use a candle <laughs> Alex in our chat goes, the sun, it burns. No, not <laughs> unless I use a candle or a blowtorch. But usually those people deserve it when it's the blowtorch. <laughs> or whether There's... or not that. I'm wondering if that's actually in relation to me going outside because oh, no, it's no, not... that's that's definitely it. That's definitely what yeah. he's talking about. I just throw myself in there because sun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't tend to go out, and yeah, it's been really hot here recently. So uh, yeah, get, doing the amount of steps that I'm supposed to has been even harder for me because I really don't like the heat. And yeah, literally, I'm not someone who spends much time out in the sun. The most my body sees of the sun is me driving to and from work, which is like an hour a day. And that's if I actually leave when it's daylight. So, um, so yeah, um, me actually being outside and in the sun. Yeah, um, I've already started to... SPF 9000. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Being outside hasn't really been good for me at all. But as I said, it's for a very good cause. 
um, the things people have that sort of been doing with cancer research, not just in the UK either. Um, these days, if you get cancer, it's not an automatic death sentence. Not um, anymore. No, but that is because of all the work people have done with cancer research. And I don't think there's anyone who can say there's no family or friend that has been affected by some sort of cancer. Um, and yeah, usually when I see these little campaigns for cancer research, I'll sort of support friends who are um, doing these things and things like that. But it's usually sort of fun runs and marathons and things like that, which I've never enjoyed or been a runner. But this time they were doing a walk and walking is something I can do. It's been a very long time. Um, I used to be part of hell, Cubs, Scouts, Army Cadet Force. Um, I used to do huge amounts of walking and hiking and cycling. Um, but yeah, as time went on and work meant driving for hours and all sorts of things, that sort of fitness stopped. Um, and yeah, for someone like me, who's sort of 145 kilograms as well, um, walking, especially in the heat, is not an easy thing to do. But as I said, it's a very good cause. So I intend to do it. So if you can help, um, head over to fundraise.cancerresearchuk.org forward slash page forward slash Steve Roberts UK. Um, the link will be in our show notes. And if you follow me on any of my social media channels, um, I keep posting updates with the link in there as well. Um, even if it can, you can only help by a small amount, um, every little helps. Okay. Well, I think that's it for this week. This is a short show this week. Well, it was a slow news week this week. It's mostly just us vamping about the continuation of the Discovery trailer. It's like, why is this still a Fallout thing? God, <laughs> God. Is there this much shit over the first trailer for the Star Wars movie? Yeah. Oh, uh, well. God, you fanboys really need to suck it up. Just wait. Damn. Criticize shit after it's out. I mean, I'm even smart enough to do that. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, if you can't ever listen to us live, um, so at the moment we are broadcasting live at 6pm Eastern on Saturdays. Um, you can always get us at regular times at trekradio.net and subspace-radio.net where we're syndicated by those two stations every Wednesday. You can also get us on iTunes and Google Play. And if you'd like to contact us, please do so by getting in touch at Tribbles in XTC for Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Star Trek Riser, and Player.me. You can also send us an email at hosts at tribblesandxtc.com. If you'd like to actually leave us a voicemail message, then you can do so by using the widget on any of the Tribbles pages at holosuitemedia.com or by going to speakpipe.com forward slash Tribbles in XTC. 
So we love to hear your feedback. And as anyone who's been listening to us for any amount of time will know that we always like to go through all the feedback that we receive. And I know a lot of other podcasts only tend to select certain feedback or only spend a short amount of time, but um, we do enjoy going through your feedback and debating it as well. And of course, like we did today. <laughs> indeed. And as you may have noticed, we also enjoy discussing things with people live in our chat room. So if you can join us live, please do so. So if you want to do that, just head over to twitch.tv forward slash Media, and hopefully eventually that chat, that video streaming will actually be sorted out at some point soon. Strangely though, I'm actually streaming to my own channel. Um, for people who don't have Facebook, because can't um, currently broadcast to YouTube. So I'm getting that sorted. But um, yeah, I'm not quite sure why the Holosuite Media one keeps uh, flaking out. It's a bit of a weird one. But I'm sure I'll get to the bottom of it eventually. Anyway, I better stop rambling on. And until next week, take care everyone. Praise the me! satellite radio for our remastered shows and more you can follow us on twitter at tribbles in xtc or if you have any questions or comments please send an email to tribbles in ecstasy at gmail.com join us next week for another episode of tribbles in ecstasy the only place where tribbles and klingons are friends